Well, good morning. Good morning. Hey, uh, before we get started with the uh, sermon piece, I just wanted to have a little family chat time with you. Just take a moment here. We know we've got next week is a big Christmas celebration, and then after that is Christmas Day, and then after that is New Year's Day. So we thought it'd be a good timing to just kind of bring in a little family piece of information on where we're at on some of what's going on with the property and the building and uh, answer some questions there. So I thought I'd do it in the frequently asked question format. All right. So here we go. First question. Any updates on that new home? Yeah, glad you asked. So here's an update. Uh, let's throw some pictures up here, okay? So have you been past the building in the last couple of weeks? Have you seen it going up there on I-74? Yes? yes. All right. Yeah, we got it going up big. This is uh, some shots. Go ahead and show the next photo, too. Um, these are some photos taken just in the last couple of days. Pretty much all the steel's up. There's a couple weeks left of little pieces going in, but all the stuff's in for worship, children, student, admin. Uh, it's pretty cool to see. Um, go ahead and show that last. Yeah, there you go. It's huge, man. We went out there and walked through it. Our family went and walked through it yesterday. It's really neat to see this thing up on the property and being able to walk around. I mean, it's coming together fast. It's really neat to see what God's doing here. So, Great pictures there. If you want to see it, you can obviously stop by. Be prepared for a little mud. All right? Just forewarning you. All right. Finances. Let's just give you a little update on where we're at with that. In the bottom left corner of your bulletin, we're always giving you this update. It's always there, and there's a little check boxes letting you know what's going on. But just so you know, there's about 4.3 million that's been pledged. Uh, there's about 3.4 million. In fact, I think it's like 3.48 or something like that. But about 3.4 million that's uh, already been collected. You guys have been super faithful to what's going on. We so appreciate that it's simply this. God, what do you want done? with us and our family and our commitments, and then let's follow through and be faithful in that. I love what you're doing. God's truly being honored, and we appreciate all that's taking place there. So uh, that's $3.4 million that's been collected. Just so you know, in this last week or two here, um, we've been able to finalize a loan with Morton Community Bank. We had it at kind of in loose, um, you know, sort of a, a general approval, but now we've got it hardcore with them, and, and it's been a super competitive rate. We're really excited about that. It's that same $4.7 million loan we talked about back in February, and, and uh, they've approved that with a very competitive loan rate. Uh, Kent and Steve Belzer, our head elder, and and uh, Craig Loomis were over there uh, working with the bank, and they've been, uh, well, nothing short of astounded, quite frankly, with all that God's doing, with the number of people that are coming, with the uh, actual giving that's been going on. You guys blew Morton Bank away, just so you know. Like, God's moving through you, yeah. So amen to that. Yeah. So I just want to say thank you. I appreciate it. Keep it up. God is truly being honored. This world is seeing it. They're seeing something going on through you. All right. Just so you know that uh, that'll put us at a little bit over 50% in equity in this building. Like we'll have over half of it in equity. We're excited about that. And the mortgage that we're going to have is basically going to be like an even trade-off for the rent that we've got. Pretty close to an even trade-off to the rent we have going on. All right. So we're trying to be really good stewards with what we have, being very careful with it. God's given us a, a neat opportunity there. All right. Um, again, how does this stuff take place? Like, how do you make sure all this goes down each week? You're just kind of uh, hoping it happens or somebody doing some work. And so just so you know, we do have the elders on this each week. Steve Bells are our head elders on it every day, spending several hours or more on that each day. And then uh, each week we as elders get together. Steve brings some of the information to the table that we might need to decide on or think through. And, and uh, that gets managed there. So it's covered on a daily and a weekly basis by the elders. Just to let you know that is going on all the time, okay? Be praying for Steve. That's a huge load. Just so you know, when we started this like a year and a half ago, one of the things I asked of the elders was, I really don't want to get distracted in the low-level details of the building. Like, I've seen some pretty bad things happen when that happens. So I want to make sure I'm staying on the word and staying on a focus of being able to teach and preach here. But the building still has to be taken care of well, and, and the elders are doing a great job there, okay? So be thankful to them for that, all right? Uh, another question. Hey, I noticed about 200000 that popped into that uh, top-line pledge giving. What's up with that? Uh, just to let you know, one of the things we do as elders is we're always watching the money coming into the general offerings, okay? And when we get to a point where there's an excess in general offering that we know is a true excess, uh, we end up moving that over to the building fund in good stewardship right now, okay? So there was a point at the end of the year here where we could clearly see there was about $200,000 in excess. What we didn't do is say, well, how can we find some cool ways to spend it? Or, or who could we hire? Let's go get somebody. Or what we said was, let's be really good stewards. Let's move that over to the building and cover some, some costs there, okay? So just so you know, that's where that was coming from. Um, Tim, 
Have you noticed the hallways are a little crowded? That we have a lot of kids in the children's space? Like, are you noticing the things growing around here? Is this thing big enough? Like, how many of you have seriously asked that question? Come on. No way is it only about 12 of us. All right. I understand where your thoughts are going, and the answer is this. Look, we did start with an original size based on, I think the, we were about 850 or so when we started this thing, and we're currently running in that 12, 1300 range, okay? What we did do is, uh, starting last April, May, we did increase the size of the building a little bit, trying to be wise to that, okay? So we added a couple more rows of chairs into the worship space. Uh, it's up to about 1450 when it's at its max. Probably not going to... I don't know what, if we're going to build for that or not initially, but uh, it certainly can go up to 1450. We've added some space into the atrium so that when those people exit the worship space, they have some place to go, right? So the atrium's a little bigger, and we maximize the children's square footage spaces, okay? In fact, what we did with a lot of those rooms is there's kind of, there's not an actual wall between the room spaces. There's the allowance for us to put sort of a soft wall and move it back and forth however we want. That way we can handle the growth or the, you know, the ebb and flow of kids' ages, all right? So we're trying to really maximize this thing. Uh, we're excited about it. It added several thousand square feet, but in a very functional way. And uh, God's truly been blessed. And just so you know, we made sure we kept that all within the budget and uh, everything's being managed that way. We bought what God would allow us to buy. I'm telling you, is it what God wants? I'm telling you, it's absolutely maximized dollar. No more, but no less. Okay, we absolutely are doing what God's provided there. Good open door. All right. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? There we go. Vocal crowds are good. All right. Good. Okay. So 1,450 chairs. Just to give you a thought, this is about 720 chairs. Okay, so it's about double this in chair count, but it's the theater style seating. So it brings it back in and we're going to use some shaping and bring it around a little further so that everything comes in. It's going to feel awesome. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, it's a great space, great design, uh, but it will allow us to even double a service size like this. All right. Uh, last question. Hey, you know, there's about three, four hundred new people coming to the church since last year. I'm one of those. I have no idea what it means to participate in going home. I'm not a part of it. How do I do that? We've had several people asking us that, okay? So just to let you know, going home, that's the name of the campaign here for um, supporting the stewardship, getting involved in getting this building together. And uh, we would love to have you be a part of it. If this is your church home, we would love for you to participate in what God's doing. And here's the deal. This is what it's about. God stirring you. And you wanting to be a part of what he's stirring in the community. That's what we want, okay? We'd love for you to be able to participate and be able to celebrate in what God's take, uh, taking part in here, okay? So how do I do it? First, with attitude. So I'm going to summarize six weeks of, of uh, stewardship campaign in two sentences. You ready? <laughs> attitude. Just remember, everything we have is his, okay? Everything we have is his. So as you're giving, it's, uh, Lord, where do you want this spent? Like, what would you want done with the monies you've entrusted to me? Okay? That's the first part of the attitude. The second part is, give cheerfully. Like, I'm excited to be able to give where God's at work. My heart's being stirred. I love what's going on. I want to take place in that. Seriously, if we can't give cheerfully, if you're in the spot where, like, I'm giving begrudgingly, and I want you to know, here's my check. It's okay. Keep the check. Does everybody hear that? Seriously. Like, we got to be able to give cheerfully and be excited about what God's doing. That's what we're looking for. People on fire. And giving because of that, okay? And the last piece is it's over and above giving. Like we have our regular giving to the church, okay? That's what we do each week when we collect the offerings, our regular giving. This is the over and above. This is like, yes, that, and plus a little bit more. Like here's something God's given us in extra, and we're going to give a one-time gift, or, or we're going to give monthly for, and, and you give according to that over and above your regular giving, okay? That's what we're talking about when we talk about giving to the Going Home campaign. So uh, how do I do that one time or over and above giving? Hey, we've got some commitment cards at the back. They're on the information table. Feel free to grab one of those. It is the information card, the uh, the commitment card from last year, okay? So it'll have some dates on there like do uh, May of 2011. You can ignore those dates, okay? Just pick it up and say, hey, I want to do this and fill that out and, and go ahead and hand that in either in the offering or get it to Pastor Kent. We would love to be able to work with you and get you kind of on board with what we're doing here. Obviously, a one-time gift is a great help that allows us to have less of a bridge loan. So if you can do that, that's great. Um, if not, and your plan is like, hey, we'd like to give regularly, then great, then do that and give monthly over a period of time. 
Uh, just fill that card out, like I said, and get it to Kent. Prayerfully consider what God would have you do, okay? Obviously, one-time gifts, this doesn't really need to be said, but year-end giving is here, and you know you get the tax breaks if you get it into this year, those kinds of things. So if you can have that postmarked before the end of this year, then you actually can write it off in 2011. But uh, all that to just say, we have a ton of people who are here who are asking questions about going home. I wanted to make sure we got our arms around this. We're going ahead. Things are happening. It's exciting to see what God's doing. I mean, you're seeing the steel come up. People are asking questions all over the place in the community now. It's exciting to see what God's doing. Next step is to be going and enclosing the building and doing some things there. Be praying. I mean, it's winter and snow and all the rest. So be praying for Joe and Zobers Construction. They now have the stress of winter, okay? So we're in an exciting spot, though. Things are going. It's great. The finances are perfect. God's been taking care of us. We would just love to see you be able to be a part of this if you're part of this family and God's stirring you. Okay? Make sense? All right. Enough said. Let's just pray and then we'll jump into the sermon here. Father God, Lord, we thank you for who you are. We stand in awe. Lord, we pray now that as we study your word, as we go to look at Revelation, that you would truly stir our hearts, challenge our will. May we hear from you and may we go out different for having met you here. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen. Okay. So we've been in a sermon series called Listen Up. In fact, this is the last week of the series. Listen Up. And uh, so just a quick summary. We started out with the first letter. This is from the Revelation letters in chapters 2 and 3. And the church at Ephesus was challenged to keep their first love. To keep their first love. Smyrna and Pergamum, we put those two together. They were challenged to not compromise with what the world had to offer. Don't listen to them. Don't go where they are. No compromise. Thyatira, do not tolerate the teachings of this world. And watch out, the sexual immorality. It's one of the biggest teachings of the world. It'll drive you into the dirt, right? Thyatira. Sardis, have heart. You look alive, but you're not. You're dead. Do not just look exterior good, interior bad, right? Let's watch out for that. Philadelphia, we looked at last week, endure patiently. Philadelphia had absolutely no criticism. He just said, wow, great job. Keep it up. You're doing an awesome job in the midst of tough struggle. Endure patiently. Today we're looking at Laodicea. And the the title is just this, get off the fence. All right, Laodicea. The challenge How can I avoid being lukewarm? How can I avoid being lukewarm? That's the question we're going to answer today. So we've got the ushers coming forward. We're going to dive into Revelation chapter 3. And uh, we're just going to finish up at the end of chapter 3 there, 14 to 22. So if you need a Bible, just raise your hands. The ushers will get one to you, okay? Just raise your hand. They'll get one to you. We're going to walk verse by verse through this. Revelation 3, 14 to the end. How can I avoid being lukewarm? First, Christ's character. Worship the sovereign ruler who is the source of all we know. Worship the sovereign ruler who is the source of all we know. Starts in verse 14 there. He says, And to the angel of the church in Laodicea, right? The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. So we've talked about this each week, but... To the angel, the church of Laodicea, that word means messenger, angel, right? Messenger, it could mean spiritual messenger, but here it means physical or human messenger. How do we know? Well, because he's writing these physical written words to him, okay? It's written to a physical messenger, a human being, challenging him. This messenger has a word to the church regularly, probably the pastor, all right? Got to tell you, these letters have hit home to me hard. Like each one of these is a challenge to a guy leading a church who has every good intention. And yet there were criticisms as well as commendations on keeping the church on track. Lord, may we hear from you and may we run with you. Okay, the pastor being challenged in Laodicea. Well, tell us a little bit about Laodicea. Wealthy. All right, I can't even think of a word that closely and accurately represents it. Wealthy doesn't get it done. So let's put it this way. In the tens of thousands of people in Laodicea, there were multi-billionaire equivalents all over the place. Multi-billionaire, not multi-millionaire, not hundreds of millions, not tens of millions. We're talking billions and billions equivalents in their possession. Really stinking wealthy. Okay? 
It's okay, you can say the word stinking. Really wealthy, all right? Super, super rich. They had it going on. They were successful in their business. You'll see it come up as very important in just a little bit. Laodicea. Okay, the words to them. The words of the amen. This word amen, right? We've heard it described as it means so be it or or truth. Jesus actually used this word when he was starting out, right? When he says, verily, verily, I say unto you, or truly, truly, I say unto you, is this word. Amen, amen, I say unto you. He's saying, I want to tell you what I'm about to tell you is true. It's real. It's right. Well, here he's saying the words of the one who is called amen. Jesus himself is called the truth. He is the final statement on truth. He is the affirmation of all of God's promises. In him, the whole plan of God is fulfilled. He is truth. Like that's what he's saying here. We better hear this. When you get done talking about truth and truth and truth and truth, the exclamation point on truth is the name Jesus Christ. You talk about him, man, you got truth. That's what we're saying when we talk about our God. Know this truth and then it says faithful and true witness he is talking he is sharing both through his actions and his word he is witnessing to the plan of god to the purpose of god and to the roles that are taking place what he says can be trusted faithful and true totally trustworthy stands by us no matter what absolutely will deliver our god The amen, the faithful and true. And then it says the beginning of God's creation. I got to tell you, this phrase uh, is no small problem. There are a lot of people out there that read this phrase. And the first thing they say is, see, I told you Jesus is created. Look, read what it says. He's the beginning of the creation. He was like the first one made. Look at that. Is that what that word means? Is that what it says? No. That's not what it says. It can be misunderstood, and we have to be really careful with it. In fact, the original language word there basically means the source of, the start of, in that regard, the first among. Like ruler over. In fact, if you have an NIV, it says ruler. They're like, we're getting away from the confusion here. We're going to tell you what it really means. Ruler. They made a translation decision, and they gave you a little bit of interpretation. Okay? Like, I'm telling you, yeah, the word means beginning, but it's because, like, everything starts with me, man. Like, it starts right here. I'm the source of it. Go to Colossians chapter 1, and what does it say? Verses 15 to 17. Like, he's the one who is the one who creates it. In fact, with him, he sustains it. He is the almighty creator. Don't ever make him the created. Okay, that was worthy of an amen. Don't ever make him the created. All right. Like, we need to be pumped up on who Jesus Christ is. Hey, we had some Jehovah's Witnesses stop at our door yesterday and ring the doorbell. It was like 14 degrees out, man. I mean, I I give him credit for that. His eyes are tearing. He was either really emotional or it was picking cold. You know what I'm saying? And and he was challenging with just, I want you to know a few things. And so I shared a few things from what I'm challenged with. It was cold out, so it didn't go long. But in the end, he handed me some stuff and he was challenged as we walked away. And you know what? The bottom line is we serve the creator and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. That's where we stand. The one who is amen. The one who is faithful and true. The one who is the creator, not the created. And everything depends upon him. That's our almighty God. So this is what he's basically saying in one verse. Worship worship this one who is Jesus. Listen up. The amen has some trustworthy words for you. And he's in charge. So question. Are you ready to listen? To the ultimate truth giver? Are you ready for Jesus Christ to have authority in your life? I mean, where what he says goes. If you have to sacrifice something, it's because he's called you to it. Are you ready? Does he have your heart? Does he have your hurts? Does he have your struggles and your dreams? Does he have it all? Are you letting him lead? That's the challenge. May we worship the one who is the amen 
and has all authority in him. All right. You want to get out of lukewarm, that's where it starts. Okay. How do I not be lukewarm? Well, notice this. Commendation? None. Bummer. Laodicea, no commendation. Okay. Criticism. So we jump right to the third point. Criticism. Admit your need for Jesus and be fruitful for him. Admit your need for Jesus and be fruitful for him. All right. Notice he says here, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Now I have to tell you, if you look this up and you look through what does the cold and the hot mean, it's a metaphor, okay? Jesus did not take the body temperature of these beings and find out they were either above 98.6 or below 98.6. Did we know that? No doubt, right? Okay, so it's a metaphor. So what's the metaphor mean? Well, really, there's kind of two views to the metaphor, okay? The first view is this. Maybe hot is like on fire for Jesus Christ. Like, I'm so ready to serve him, and I don't care what he calls me to, or when he calls me to it, or how hard it is, or like, you've got my attention. Hot. And then and then cold would be, Jesus who? you got to be kidding me. No, you do not have my attention. Like, that would be one view, okay? Ice cold to Christ, on fire for Christ. Personal opinion, standing where I am right now, that's not really my view of this passage, okay? And I'll tell you why. Notice what he says right after it. Would that you were either cold or hot. I'm not sure he's actually saying, would that you didn't know me or trust in me. Some will say that that's what it means. I don't really go there. I think what he's actually saying is this. If you get into the history of this and understand a little bit of what's going on, I think there's a different statement being made, okay? So here we go. Ready? Historical lesson. There's a city nearby named Colossae, and there's another city nearby named Hierapolis, okay? So Colossae begins with a C, Colossae, right? They had these cold water springs, these very refreshing, icy springs of water, okay? And the C for cold, right? Just like in our bathtub. The sea for cold delivered this cold water up and people loved going to Colossae and being refreshed by the icy drink that you could get there, okay? And then Hierapolis, ironically enough, starting with an H, had these unbelievable hot mineral springs where you could go and you could bathe and you could actually take the waters and use them to clean and cleanse and relax and and people raved about the waters in Hierapolis, all right? So you had the hot in Hierapolis and the cold in Colossae and people went to those and talked about them all the time. The water in Laodicea, yeah, well, it dried up every summer. Okay, they had problems. So what they actually did is they took some stone pipe and they built it the multiple miles down from those two cities and brought them in. Okay, and the water that arrived at Laodicea was lukewarm. Okay, the water was either cold that had warmed up or hot that had cooled down and it arrived off of this stone um, piping and it ended up having this kind of nasty mineralized taste. It was like the ultimate in well water. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay, and so they were like taking these big scoops of well water, and this is a person's first visit to Laodicea. What kind of went like this? Oh, that is terrible. Welcome to Laodicea. Okay, it was kind of the running joke, the water problems around there. And I think that's actually what's being spoken to here. He's saying, would that you were either cold, you know, like the waters in Colossae, or, or hot, like the waters in Hierapolis. Have some value and purpose. You know what I've designed you for. Be what I've made you to be. Be on fire. This lukewarm thing, spit that out. You understand what I'm saying? I think that's the challenge going on, okay? Either way, let's just agree with this. Lukewarm is bad. Can you agree with me there? All right, so either way, we're now in agreement, all right? Lukewarm, bad. Let's not be spit out of Jesus' mouth. That doesn't sound like a good plan, right? So lukewarm. Want to be very careful that we are not lukewarm. Tepid. Uh, looking a lot like the world. Affected by the world. Losing our heat or our ice. Losing our passion and our commitment. Lukewarm. Hard to distinguish between you and somebody just of the world. Lukewarm. 
So uh, top three signs I'm lukewarm. Now, normally I would just be giving you some thoughts from practical experience or some other passages. We're going to come right out of this passage. Top three signs you're lukewarm. Notice he says in verse 17, for, like purpose statement, or just so you understand, this is where I got it from. I'm calling you lukewarm. Here's the reason for you say, number one reason for lukewarmness or number one indicator. I, I, I. You're always talking about yourself. Notice what he says. I am rich. I have prospered. I need nothing. Can you imagine meeting that guy? Right? That's some pretty serious eye talk. I am rich. I have prospered. In fact, the word rich and prospered are the same variant. It's the same word. Just one's a noun, one's a verb. I am rich. I have riched myself. That's what he's saying. I'm rich. I have prospered. I'm in need. Not. I need nothing. That's where I'm at. I, I, I. I, me, I, me, I, me. Right? We've all met those people. We never think it's us. It's always someone else. Right? I, I, I. Lukewarm. It's the first indicator. I, I, I. Second indicator. It's the last I there. I need nothing. Indicator of lukewarmness. You see yourself as self-reliant, self-sufficient, self-motivated, In fact, you'd probably define yourself as others need me, but I need nothing. Indicator of lukewarm. Big indicator. Like I'm telling you, the moment you think you don't need, you have completely missed what we're all about. Hey, Colossians 1, we just got done talking about it a little bit. Jesus Christ creates, and it says without his very presence, the entire universe would not be sustained as it is. You don't even get to keep your molecules together without Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, we are in dire need of Jesus Christ, and that's just the way it is. I need you, Lord. Like, like that's where I stand. I need you. I need you with all I've got. And every morning when you wake up, that's where you stand. And every afternoon at lunch, that's where you stand. And every single moment of every single day, no matter what seems to be accomplished through your hands, I'm telling you, you are in dire need of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. We have one job. To say, I'm going to live it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to be it. I need you, Jesus. Like, I need you. Um, here's my request. Try it with me. Just say, I need you. I need you. A little more heat. I need you. Not me, right? That you isn't Tim. It's, I need Jesus, right? I need you, Jesus. Say it with me with that in there. Like, I need you, Jesus. Get used to saying it and pronouncing it with all you've got. It's not a whisper. All right, I need you, Jesus. That's where I'm at. I need you, Jesus. I'm not going to admit it too loud because I don't want the guy next to me to know. Go ahead. Turn to the guy next to you and say, dude, you need Jesus. Go ahead. It always helps, doesn't it? Especially if you use the word dude. All right. I, I, I. First indicator. Second, need nothing. Third, not realizing. You've got the blinders on, right? It says, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Complete blind spot. Indicator of lukewarmness. You have an absolute blind spot. You look at yourself and you say, dang, I got it together. And the guy next to you looks at you and goes, you know, it's the kind where they walk in and they're like, seriously, I don't have a problem with gossip, do I? No. Mm, I guess not. Or, or seriously, you think of me as proud? Come on, you don't think of me that way. <laughs> um, no, no, that's, uh, well, I, um, right? Be careful. Be a real friend. I mean, seriously, if you're going to help somebody out of lukewarmness, they do need to hear. They need to hear from you. It's a blind spot. That's part of lukewarmness. Like, I think pretty highly of myself right now. Jesus' statement. You need to think less of yourself, right? You're not realizing a few things. What are you not realizing? You're wretched. Do you use that word often? I don't either. Wretched. It's kind of a cool word. It basically means nasty, deeply afflicted, horrifically in need, wretched, okay? 
Look at the next word. Pitiable. This is like when I look at you, it evokes sorrow. Do you understand? That's what he's saying. Like, do you see yourself spiritually? I mean, all you're looking at is your possessions. All you're looking at is your titles. All you're looking at is what others think about you. Do you want to know what I think of you? This is Jesus Christ talking. You evoke sorrow in me. Poor. Hey, you just called yourself mega wealthy, but you don't have the riches that I've got. Blind. You're not seeing it the way I'm seeing it. Naked. This is something that dawned on me this week. You have been clothed with Christ's righteousness if you trust in him. And know this, you've been designed for an eternity of righteousness. And from day one in creation, he designed you to experience perfection with him. Absolute and total perfection. Hungry for constant purity, Christ glorified in you as you and him live together. Righteous. That's what he designed you to wear. When he says you're naked, he's saying, dude, what happened to the righteousness? You're missing out on everything I designed you for. I'm so hungry for you to be clothed correctly. He says that you're naked. Now, here's the beauty of it. Jesus doesn't just say, so, three lukewarm indicators. I, I, I. Seems to always be about you, man. Or, uh, I need nothing. You're completely self-reliant. Or, uh, you know, actually, blind spot, big time. That's your lukewarm indicators. And then he goes, that's who you are. Have a nice day. Is that what he does? No. The next step of our Savior is to save. The next step of our healer is to heal. So he says, I counsel you. Hey, four steps to getting out of lukewarmness. Okay? That's the next thing he gives us. Four recovery steps from lukewarm. I counsel you. First, go to Christ. That's the first indicator or the first step. Go to Christ. He uses the word buy here because these guys are a ton of businessmen. He's in a metaphor again. He's not talking about trying to find some Jesus shop somewhere and go buy something. Okay, this is like go to him personally and spend some time with him. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich. Buy from me gold. Hey, you want to be about what you're going after? The gold of this world? Let me tell you something. You should see my gold. Oh, you want to talk about refined? You should see my refined. I want you to come after the riches of my kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You will be blown away with what I've got for you. I am so thrilled with what I can get into your life. Come after me. And enjoy what I've got. Buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich. Not earthly rich, but eternally rich. And then buy this, white garments so that you may clothe yourself. And the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. White garments. Here we are with that righteousness thing again, right? This is that metaphor that says, put on my righteousness. You want to know what I've got for you? The privilege of my whites. Righteousness that I've got that you could never attain to. But you can get them. You can wear them. Trust in me. Rely on me. Be with me. Impart unto others what I've shared with you. The righteousness that changes your life will begin to make you a light in this world. Put on my white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness, your unrighteousness, your not with Christness, may not be seen. He's saying, please, come have a relationship with me. Be with me. Watch me change you and bring you back and restore you to where you need to be. White garments. And then the last thing is salve to anoint the eyes so that you may see. Salve to anoint the eyes. Like I'm telling you, you don't have my eye. You don't see what I'm seeing. You're not grasping what I'm asking you to grasp. In other words, you don't have the vision that Jesus has. You don't have the values that Jesus has. Get them from him. Time in his word. Time spent unbelievably changed by him. He's saying, go to Christ. Grasp those things. Seek 
for him to change you. What you're wearing, what you're seeing, all of it. What an amazing privilege to have Christ as our Savior. Now, he goes into the next step here. He says, I need you to know something before I go to point two on how to recover from lukewarmness. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Please be ready to put in context the pain of this world. I'm going to help bring you along. I want to help shape you. And I love you. I've got your best in mind. I'm telling you, you will be so satisfied and I will be so glorified. And I so want that for you. Just put it in the context of love and discipline. Because it will be coming for those who love him. You absolutely need to expect some disciplining. Quite frankly, if we end up saying, seriously, I don't ever really feel like I'm being challenged by God. He never seems to be challenging me at all. That's not a good position to be in. Like that's a moment where we have to be saying, God, who am I with you? Lord, I want to be with you. I'm running with you. He said, I'm going to discipline you. We're going to find some tough moments in life. So here's a second challenge on how to get out of lukewarm. Be zealous. Be zealous. What's that word mean? It means like sold out. Uh, It means not distracted. It means have your eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. Okay. The four steps to lukewarm. Go to Christ. The second one is be zealous. You're absolutely fixated on him. You absolutely see him as your answer. In the midst of the pain. In the midst of the success. Your eyes are fixed on Christ. And you're constantly vocalizing with all you've got. I need you, Lord. And I'm here with you, Lord. I'll tell anybody I need you, Lord. I don't care who comes to me. I don't care what they challenge me with or thank me for. I constantly am turning it around to you. I need you. You are my king. And I'm bringing it regularly. And my eyes are fixed on you. Best example I could give of this in the midst of pain was uh, a story of when I was four years old. Uh, I had six surgeries on my left hand by the time I was six years old, okay? So I don't know why I remember this one more than others, but I recall this one time, I was probably four or five, and uh, I was going in for surgery back then. When they put you under, they did it with a shot uh, and then some nasty-smelling gas. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like it would make you ball no matter how old you were, okay? And then you're four, have fun, right? And so... They go around behind the bed. I can't remember if it was doctor, nurse, whatever. Goes around behind the bed, and they, they happen to pull the needle out on their way around. Probably why I remember this one. Know what I'm saying? I think it was like this long. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And they go around, and they roll me over to give the shot. And my mom steps up and takes my hands. And as that needle goes in, and I mean, it hurt. My eyes filled up with tears. And I remember those tears shimmering and like the whole room just got distorted. And when the tears started running down my eyes and it re-cleared my eyes, my mom holding my hands has tears running down her eyes. And she just looks at me close and she says, it's going to be okay. We need to do this. I mean, that sticks in my mind for the rest of my life. What does it mean to be zealous? It means that. My eyes were fixed on my mom, waiting, watching, trusting, counting, hoping. That's where you need to be with Jesus Christ. I am zealous. I'm committed. Your eyes are fixed on him. And in the midst of the pain, you're holding tight. And if there are tears, then you see him through the tears. And if there's joy, then you see him through the joy. You will not move from him that'll kill lukewarm like in a heartbeat i'm telling you commit to your king he's committed to you with all he's got okay be zealous it's the second step third repent notice it says be zealous and repent i love how he just quickened to the point right hey man be committed give it up right That's it. Repent. So two phrases to understand repent a little better. All right. Repent. The first statement is this. Please forgive me. Like that's a part of repentance. Uh, I'm wrong. Confession. Like, Lord, please forgive me. I was wrong for. 
and lay it out to him. And here's the second part of repentance. And I'm dead to that. Like I'm telling you, it cost you on the cross. It cost you having to come to this earth for me. It cost me all this pain. I'm done with it. I'm turning from it. I'm dead to that. Right? The James McDonald phrase. I'm dead to that. It's an important phrase. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to say I'm dead to that? When you're resolving ahead of time. And then how hard it is when you get in the moment. Have you ever noticed? It's just me. Have you ever noticed that? Okay, good. Join with me in this. All right. Dead to that. It's not easy to stand up for it. It takes resolve and decision outside of. It takes commitment in the midst of. Probably takes some accountability partners that are going to hold you there. That are going to keep with you and run with you. No matter what. They're just going to say, hey, bro, that's got to stop, man. Like now. Like I'm serious. I'm right here with you. But we're done with that, right? Like that's what it takes. Dead to that. It, it's easy to say. Go ahead and say it with me. Dead to that. Like more volume. Dead to that. That's repentance. It starts though with, please forgive me. It's all about the relationship with Christ. Okay? It's not human muscling. All too often repentance gets taught as just stop. That's wrong. Repentance is, Lord, please forgive me. I want relationship with you. Oh, and I'm done with what broke it. Like I'm done forever. Okay? Make sense? Repent. That's the third step in killing the lukewarm. Like you want to start getting hot, fired up for him, or cold, totally icy, valuable for him. No, you want that? It's going to take going to Christ. It's going to take being zealous and committed. It's going to take repenting. And the fourth step, he says right after it, it's response. Response. Notice what he says here. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Like, what a great privilege for us to have Jesus Christ knocking at our door. Are you kidding me? Like, the God of the universe is saying, Are you there? I'd like to talk a little bit. And we're like, Hang on, I'm kind of busy. What? Are you kidding me? The God of the universe wants to speak. He's got a little bit of thought for you. He wants to run with you and spend time with you. And what a privilege we have to be with him. And Lord, help me hear your knock. And may I respond. Like that's what he's talking about. Notice what he says here. He says, I stand at the door and knock. Notice this is people in the church. Okay. I behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and he with him and he with me. Like, we're going to hang out. We're going to do this food thing for a little while. We're going to relate together. You're going to hear from me. I'm going to hear from you. We're going to relate together. You are going to be able to have this unbelievably deep, mind-boggling, life-altering, world-blowing time with the almighty king of the universe as he gives you insight from his word, through his Holy Spirit. He's going to challenge you. He's going to shape. But he's more than that. He's going to tell you how much you're valued, how much he kindly wants of you the best for you. It's going to be an awesome meal. That's what he's saying. Like, come out and dine with me. I'm going to rock your world. All right? The best example I could come up with here is a negative example. I don't use negative examples much. I like exampling, giving an example of what it means, okay? This is what it doesn't mean, okay? About a month and a half ago or whatever it was, we had uh, Lindsay McCall here singing up front. And there was a concert on Saturday night. And they had a meet and greet time. So our family went to the meet and greet time, okay? And we're like, ooh, we get to meet the bands ahead of time. We'll talk to Lindsay. That'll be good to catch up with her. And and uh, then there's Casting Crowns. And we'll be able to meet some of those guys. And a few other bands were there too, okay? So we go into this meet and greet. And we get down there. And they go, stand up against the wall. We're like, What? Get up against the wall. We don't have one of people milling around and stuff. We're going to have you stand against the wall just to keep order. Okay. <laughs> right? So now we're standing against the wall. This feels very natural. <laughs> right? And they'll, they'll be here in a few minutes. Okay. We're excited. <laughs> we're waiting. Right. And then and then they start coming through and Lindsay was first and she's a sweetheart. And let me tell you, these guys do a great job. They walk down the line and they're just like, how are you? Good to see you. Yeah. And oh, really? And how did you? OK. Nice. And how are you? And good. to Oh, really? And, oh, do you want me to sign? Sure. Right. And they're, they're just going down the line. Super friendly. Did a great job casting crowns. I mean, like they're all pastors. They do a great job. They're connecting with people. They're caring for people. It kind of looked something like this, though. It was like, hey, how are you? Oh, really? OK. So, photo op. Okay. Hey, how are you? All right. Okay. Good. Photo op. 
Okay, right, right, photo op. Like, that's all it was, man. Like, you got to talk with them for a few seconds. They were very kind and gracious. We laughed and joked a little bit. You get that snapshot photo op, and you're done. And you're like, can we leave the wall now? Right? Like, that's not what Jesus is talking about. Okay? What he's not saying is, get up against the wall. I'm going to come in for a 10-second visit, and we'll get a photo op. And you'll be able to walk around later, and you're like, dude, check it out. I was with Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, that's not what it is. Do you, do you understand? Okay, it's a good negative example, right? It's not that, okay? It's like time with him. It's like in the end you're relating and you're building a relationship and he knows everything about you and you're learning more and more about him all the time. It means, whoa, what a privilege. You don't want to miss this meet and greet. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that's what I'm talking about. You want to kill the lukewarm? It's time to spend time with Christ, okay? Well, how do we do that? You know what? It's words you've heard a lot, but we better be careful, okay? Time in your word, and time praying, and time confessing. And I've heard all these words. Read your Bible, pray, and confess. This is the magic? Like, it really is. That's why you've heard the words before. But we start getting into this rote, ritualistic, checkboxing thing, and we're done with relationship, and all of a sudden we're doing the stand-against-the-wall photo op moment. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, spend some time with him, and let his word rip you to the core. God, I'm here today to hear from you. What do you have? for me and 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 here's what's going on in my life and you just pour back and and you're interacting and sharing and relating and i'm not moving until i've met you today and been rocked by you welcome to killing lukewarm okay go to christ be zealous repent and respond it's an amazing privilege look the pain can be distracting the stuff can come up that pulls our eyes off of them. The success can happen where you're like, I don't know that I need Christ. I've got billions. You need him. Without his presence in your life, the very molecules of your soul explode, right? He holds everything together. We need him. We need him with all we've got. And I'm telling you, there's times where we misunderstand and we better be careful of it. Just a quick example. Uh, about a week ago, a week and a half ago, our dog, Teddy, uh, had to have surgery. Uh, he had this nasty growth thing kind of just shoot up on his arm and they had to take it off. And um, so they took it off. And uh, when they took it off, you know, then you go to licking the stitches and all that stuff. Not me. The dog does, right? <laughs> Goes to licking the stitches. And, and so what do they do? They, they put on the cone of shame. <laughs> so he's walking around with this cone of shame on. And the sad thing is the cone of shames are designed so that they can't lick wounds and get the stuff, right? And so it's just out far enough that it kills all peripheral vision. So all you do all day long is walk into chairs and couches and tables and you're like, boom, bam. So the dog's walking into everything and you could see he's looking at us like we had to go without meals and he had to go without breakfast. He had to go without water and now he's walking into walls and he can't scratch the itch and he's looking at us like, what did I do to you? What? Uh, You know what I mean? We're just getting this pathetic little look from the dog and he's getting super humble. Like the dog is starting, but he's starting to also keep his distance a little bit. And like I'm telling you, the whole process, we watched this little dog start to crumble. And when we finally took the cone of shame off, there was like this new happy puppy in the house a little bit as he's bouncing around a little more and relating to us a little more attentive. You know, like I don't know what I did wrong, but I'm doing it again. Like I don't need the cone of shame. I'm good. You know what I mean? We need to be really careful because oftentimes we walk around and we feel like we got the cone of shame on. Like something's going down in our life and we don't know what we did to bring it on. And Lord, I don't get it. And I'm, I'm afraid you don't even like me. And I'm starting to distance from you. And, and I, I'm not getting what you're doing. And, and I, I think you don't like me now. And I don't know why. And are you hearing it? It's pretty easy to misunderstand things when we don't grasp purpose. And sometimes we just need to say, I'm trusting you. That you're walking me through this for all the right reasons. And I'm staying close to you in the midst. Hey, don't let your pain, don't let your success drive you to lukewarm. Run to him with all you got and trust in him. All right? So my simple question to you is this. Are you drifting? Are you on the path to lukewarm? Do you find yourself saying I a lot more? Are you talking about what people do wrong to you? Do you find yourself saying you need less? Are people challenging you of massive blind spots? Are you drifting? 
Is there a pain or a success in your life that you tend to be focusing on more than anything else? Don't fixate on that. Fixate on Christ. It'll kill the lukewarm fast. Okay? All right. Last step in killing the lukewarm. Closure. Celebrate your conquering king and the privilege of ruling with him forever. Celebrate your conquering king and the privilege of ruling with him forever. I love how he ends this. Remember, he's just talking to people he wants to spit out of his mouth. And here's what he says. To the one who conquers. Remember, we've talked about this. First John 5, 4 and 5. To the one who believes in me and is guaranteed to overcome the world. To the one who conquers. You're trusting in me. You've got faith in me. You're saved. I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. Sit with me on my throne. This is not like sitting on Jesus' lap, like sitting on Santa's lap. Okay? This is not like, hey, come here, come sit with me for a little while. It's not that, okay? This is like, you will be ruling with the Almighty as He rules. This is, there's enough room, and I'm gonna share with you, and I'm gonna grow you up, and as I'm ruling this universe, I'm telling you this, I'm gonna show you what it looks like to be making decisions with me. You're gonna rule right beside me, below me, under me, but right beside me. I'm telling you this, I'm ruling the world, I'm ruling the universe. And you can partake in a part of that. What a privilege. This is the exclamation point of Revelation 21 and 22 is this gets set up. We literally are going to be ruling with him. Wow. Do you think we'll be asking him a lot of questions about how he wants it done? I'm thinking yes. I'm thinking, wow, are we going to be learning along the way and blown away by what he's accomplishing as we watch things go? Notice he says, as I also conquered. He says, you who have conquered, just know this. I also have conquered, and I sat down with my father on his throne. I also have conquered. He says simply this. I've had victory over death. I've had victory over sin. I've had victory over one of my created beings who's giving me a little bit of a pain in the neck, Satan. Yes, I'll tell you this. It is finished. That's our king. And he's conquered. And he's welcoming us to his throne room for all of eternity. Wow. What a privilege. Notice it says, let he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We have an eternity of worshiping him. I grabbed this Facebook quote from Walk in the Word this week. I thought it was timely. God is always victorious. His purposes are always accomplished. His enemies are always defeated. His faithful followers are always rewarded. His son's throne will be established forever. That's our king. Amen? Hey, as we talk about celebrating the one who conquers, as we talk about relationship with the Almighty, just know this. We need him. Amen? Let's just close with one simple statement. I need you, Jesus. Say it with me. I need you, Jesus, like louder. I need you, Jesus, one more time. I need you, Jesus. May he be worshipped in our lives this week. No more lukewarm. Let's pray.